We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. The names behind the numbers. The stories behind the names. This is the Her Hoop Stats Podcast with John Little. For me and my staff, it's just coming in and earning the trust. Part of that is being consistent. You know, you have to show people that you care. And that's really when the magic happens. I mean, we have talented players here. We have talented coaches here. Um, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't trust somebody, it's not going to work. The biggest newsmakers, the best storytellers, the Her Hoop Stats podcast. Here's your host, John Little. Let's go. Welcome into the Her Hoop Stats podcast. I'm your host, John Little. Thank you so much for being here again early this week as we talk women's basketball, as always. And we remind you to subscribe to the show so you can get not only this podcast, but as the week goes on, get our Unplugged podcast. Get uh, also Courtside with Gabe and Christy as well. Three podcasts a week for your listening pleasure. And, of course, rate and review. That is always very, very helpful, like dozens and dozens of your friends have done. Let's make it hundreds. Why not, right? Well, things change so fast in the WNBA that uh, over the last couple weeks, we have talked to coaches in the WNBA and talked about uh, what's going on with their team on kind of a week-by-week basis. And then we put out the podcast, and it's not totally scrapped, but, uh, you know, the first time around, uh, Phoenix went on a winning streak, and then Chicago got a little bit uneven. It's interesting to see how much things are changing in the wobble. So I thought we'd just step back from the WNBA for a moment. I'll let Gabe and Christy handle that later on this week, along with the Unplugged podcast. But let's talk to Nikki McRae-Penson, the head coach, the new head coach at Mississippi State, formerly of ODU. Before that, an assistant coach for a long time under Don Staley at South Carolina. And of course, before that, 
just women's basketball greatness as a player at Tennessee in the WNBA, winning gold medals. She has done it all. By the way, cancer survivor as well. So shout out to Coach McRae for uh, everything she's done in her life. And she's not stopping. This is her biggest job along the way so far, taking over a Mississippi State program that has been a perennial contender. And now we get a chance to see Coach McRae taking over at Mississippi State. How will she handle this in the SEC? Obviously, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch over these next few years as she gets her feet wet in this setting. But not only is she a basketball coach, very early on in the conversation, we talk about what she stepped into just as she was moving to Mississippi. She becomes banded together with the other college coaches around Mississippi to go to the state capitol and say it's time to change this flag. Of course, one of the most public pronouncements against the Mississippi state flag. And of course, overwhelmingly, uh, that state's legislature decides to change the flag. They're in that process now. So we talk about that, what that took. We talk about uh, her path so far and what she's hoping to bring as well and how you kind of bring it to a new place in Mississippi State. So let's welcome to the Her Hoop Stats podcast, the head coach at Mississippi State, Nikki McRae-Penson. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Man. Goodness gracious. Uh, Talk about changes. We've all gone through them uh, here over the last uh, four to five months, but you certainly have have gone through them. And uh, with a family and having to move across the country during a pandemic, I can't imagine what that's been like. What has this last four to five months been like for you? Well, it's been a whirlwind, um, first and foremost, especially with pandemic, social injustice, Um, A lot of things have been going on, uh, but, you know, I think you just got to take every day um, and count your blessings. You know, I am alive. My family is here with me in Starkville. We are getting acclimated to this community. Our team is back on campus. Every day I'm just starting to really get settled in, but it it just feels good to kind of sort of get back to some normalcy from the standpoint of, having your team, getting settled into the community um, and just having, you know, more direct contact, you know, with our players as before. It was just all Zoom, all FaceTime and all of those things. Yeah. What does your offseason program look like right now? We're talking to you uh, just a little bit before the start of August, July 29th here. So uh, what process are you in right now with your team? Well, right now it's, it's still we're we're still new new to each other. Everybody, all of my players just got here um, about a week and a half ago. So we're in strength and conditioning, trying to get them ready um, so that we can all get on the floor at the same time as a team. You know, just kind of planting seeds of some basic fundamental things. You know that we do from an offense and a defensive standpoint. Uh, really establishing our culture with some team building, things that are near and dear to our culture and what that looks like, and just continuing to build that trust with one another. Are there any main differences that you can point out that you're going to be emphasizing for your players as far as what things were like before and and what they're going to be like now? It's all about what we do and who we are. I think the biggest thing is basketball is what we do. It's not who we are. Uh, And just empowering our kids to allow them to walk in confidence to be able to express themselves 
on and off the floor. I have to have conversation and I have to know what they're thinking, how they're feeling, because that allows me to be able to coach them and my staff. So the biggest thing right now is the trust. It needs to be genuine. It needs to be intentional so that we can have conversation about how you're feeling about anything. Um, Because when we get on the court and we're going full go, there's a certain way that we do things. But when you know a person, then you kind of get an understanding of who they are and how passionate they are about me. Well, you certainly, you know, had a lot of time to relationship build at South Carolina, but then you had to move on to Old Dominion and three years, you build that program into a 20 win team in back to back seasons. Is there anything that that you picked up early on in that tenure at Old Dominion, anything you had to do differently as a head coach than you did as an assistant coach when it comes to that trust that you mentioned? I think the biggest thing is is allowing your kids to feel a part of something, you know, because anytime you come into something new, it's not about you. It is about us coming together and making them feel a part of it so that they can take ownership in the culture, ownership in every aspect of their lives from an academic standpoint, what that looks like, you know, our culture, what that looks like, you know, what does it look like in the locker room? All of those things. What does practice look like? You know, I know how it looked like for me when I played and everything is different. Every generation is different, but there's certain standards that, you know, we're going to live by, but it's not just my standards. What standards do they have of themselves so that they can start holding each other accountable? If I tell them what my standards are, you know, what are your standards? Because when you make them feel a part of something, then it becomes empowering. Now they take ownership in it. Well, and certainly these days, and it's been like this for a, a few years, but um, especially during these times, social justice is a big part of that. And specifically in Mississippi, as you step into this role and just as you're moving to town, you are thrown right into it. The long battle to change the Mississippi flag comes to a head and you're right there at the forefront at the Capitol, helping politic and lead the charge for change there. Why did you feel, first of all, like even as a new part of the organization, if you will, a new part of the, the the culture that you needed to be there. And what was that experience like? Well, I got to say, you know, it was an historical moment, not only for me, but all those that came before me, for all the Mississippians. Um, what was really good was every school was united. You know, we came together to, you know, to serve a great cause and doing what was right. I was just so thankful that our university supports our student athletes, supports those same beliefs. And that was really good to see. And not just that, but it was a lot of people that came together in the state of Mississippi um, to have an opinion and voice their opinion about the flag, what that meant, and how the removal of the flag was just the right thing to do. 
And obviously there is a lot of synergy because you were in South Carolina when that state was going through uh, that exact same thing. The Confederate uh, aspects of that flag as well uh, were very controversial uh, during your tenure at South Carolina. And then it got removed. What was your experience? Was there any before and after effect that you could see in the state of South Carolina? Well, I think first and foremost, um, you know, we were just so thankful to see progress being made, some positivity being made. The biggest thing is having a chance to host the NCAA tournament on our home floor at the time. And, you know, the fans were very appreciative of that. Um, I thought it gave us a home court advantage from that standpoint, from a recruiting standpoint. You know, there wasn't anything to hold over our heads, you know, because we were on equal playing field. And those were some great advantages um, that we had, especially, you know, when the when the flag was removed. Absolutely. And you had years uh, there as uh, an assistant at South Carolina, what, nine, ten seasons in that area. And that led you to move on to Old Dominion after you were ready. Tell me about becoming ready to be a head coach and how you knew that Old Dominion three years ago was the right move at the right time? I think a lot of it is timing. I'm just so thankful, you know, to, you know, my mentor, you know, and Dawn Staley and, you know, obviously, you know, the staff just preparing me. Are you ever really ready? You're never really ready, you know, to move over to those six inches. You just have to be prepared because it's different. And, um, and I can thoroughly say that, uh, you know, I was prepared for that in every aspect. You know, I think a lot of what we do is about relationships. It really is. You know, it's not so much teaching on the court. It's managing emotions, especially with our kids. Um, It's managing, you know, your staff. All of those things is an investment every single day, every single day. You know, whether it's support staff, you have to talk with them, whether it's you know, faculty talking with them, whether it's administration, you still have to manage all of those things. So just having a great understanding of what that's like, the X's and O's part, that comes pretty easy. It's the other stuff that, you know, you're, you're responsible for. You know, I'm responsible for 15 young ladies, how they are on the floor, how they are off the floor, just all of it and all of the things that they go through. I'm responsible for my staff, you know, and just, being able to manage that is, 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 is quite a lot. So you have to, you know, understand your why, why you do things and your purpose and, and how to empower people around you to, to be great. And I know you demand a lot of your players. You encourage them in every way to be great. When you're going through a tough first season like you did there at Old Dominion in 17, 18, how did you fight through the frustration to continue moving forward, get in a position where the next two years you get in the WNIT and then you're in a really good spot last season. Who knows where it would have finished up, but uh, it was certainly the top of the WNIT or maybe even getting into the NCAA tournament, depending on the Conference USA tournament. How did um, that first year and the, and, the, and the base that you built that first year help build you up for what you uh, ended up building there in Norfolk? Well, I think the first year, you know, was really a foundation year for us of establishing our culture. Yes, we had success, you know, towards the end of the year, my first year, and then the second and third year. But, you know, I have to credit our, our culture. 
You know, it's just hard when you come into a new situation and you don't you, you don't recruit kids. You know, I recruited one young lady there and the rest of them were already there. So it takes time for people to buy in, you know, and we quickly realized that we needed to get, you know, more talent. And um, and we did that. And I think that's what really helped us, you know, because we end up tapping into more talent. And then those players really took us to another level because we had a relationship with them. And our culture was already established of how our program was going to run. You know, you had to be a great, great teammate. Um, you had to love what you do um, because my staff and I, I mean, we're, we're very passionate people. We're passionate about the game. We're passionate about young people, we're passionate about the development. And all those things is, you know, we want people around that are that, that have those same DNA. So the culture part was really the key for us and, and, and getting more talent. And that's what allowed us to really take off and have success. Old Dominion, a program with tradition, with great players in the past, with great memories, and you leave them in a great spot. What were the final things that you tried to leave with those players, with that program, even after you weren't able to complete a very solid season? I think the biggest thing is that, you know, you have to have a great understanding of what a winning culture looks like. And what matters off the floor definitely matters on the floor and how you treat people. Um, you know, I hope that our staff, and I think that we did, we left that place, you know, better than when we found it. You're right. Great tradition. It's a winning program. We wanted to make sure that people knew, you know, older women's, women's basketball. And from our fans, from the alumni, we wanted to make them proud. And um, I thought the young ladies that we brought in, they knew that. They wanted to be the ones to put that program back on the map. And, um, and But you do that with having a great understanding of what winning looks like. You know, the wins are going to come off, come on the court, but you got to understand how to win off the court. And that's what we did. So we won off the court. We won the hearts of our fans. We won the hearts of each other. And um, and that led to wins on the court. And you come to Mississippi State, an established program now. And let's start with this. I feel like, you know, maybe the kids at Old Dominion, they were eager to hear your message do you feel like there's going to be anything different you have to do right at first to establish your culture in a program that, as far as respectability right now, it, it is already established when it comes to uh, what they've accomplished here recently? You're right. I mean, this program is a national brand. I think, you know, for me and my staff, it's just coming in and, you know, earning the trust. And that's on both sides. We're doing a great job of that. And Part of that is being consistent. You know, you have to show people that, that you care. And that's really when the magic happens. I mean, we have talented players here. We have talented coaches here. Um, you can have all the talent in the world, but if you don't trust somebody, it's not going to work. Trust is earned. It is earned. It's not something that's given. Um, and you have to be consistent in your message. You have to be consistent in, you know, how you use things every single day. Those are the things that we are doing. You know, we're being very consistent. We're showing them who we are, you know, as people. We're learning who they are as people. Also, you know, just giving them a voice. Again, you know, you have to, you know, put players in a position to where they can take ownership in things. 
basketball part is going to take care of itself. You know, we've broken down their games. We know what we got coming. You know, that part is pretty easy, and that's that's easy to see. But it's the other stuff that matters. You you have to you have to have a a, a great foundation of trust. You got to like the people that you're around, and you got to care about the people. We we talked about what it was like leaving South Carolina, coming to Old Dominion. Why was it the time, did you feel, to take advantage of an opportunity that you earned at Mississippi State, even in a year when, I mean, there wasn't much <laughs> movement around college basketball this year because of a pandemic? You know, the Duke job doesn't even come open until well after the fact. This was not a, a gigantic year for big name openings to come open. Why was it the right time for you to make a move and what was that process like? Well, I think, it, you know, everything is about timing. A lot of things that happened for me, you know, is, is a lot about, you know, who you know and, and, it, and it's been about timing, whether it was timing for me, you know, to be an Olympian, timing for me to be the head coach of Joe Dominion. Those things have been really glaring for me. A pandemic, I mean, I, I you know, I didn't really seek out uh, Mississippi State. It was something that kind of fell into my lap from that standpoint. And then when the ball got rolling, you know, then you start to really get down to the nuts and bolts. But for me, it's just, it's about always surrounding myself with great people that have, you know, a great vision of what winning looks like. Um, this program has a great vision of that. They've won. And who wouldn't want to be a part of a program that's already established with great players, with great history of winning um, great facilities, great um, administration, leadership. Um, and, you know, it's not too far from where I grew up. So, it, you know, it's kind of coming back full circle. Uh, Starkville reminds me a lot of Carrierville, Tennessee. I mean, it's a small town. Everybody knows everybody. Everybody's very supportive in, in everything, you know, that you do. But this program is a, a special place because, you know, of the people. That's what make a university. And just really thankful, you know, to be associated um, with a program that, you know, where women's basketball and all the sports um, here at Mississippi State are a priority. Um, and our women's basketball team, they've done a great job. When you're in a position every year to win a national championship, that's something to be said because not a lot of teams are in those positions. You couldn't have done basketball at any higher level than you did it as a player, whether it be at Tennessee or moving on to the WNBA. Of course, you're a Hall of Famer as well. Can you put yourself back in that position of Nikki McRae as one of the best players that we've ever seen early on in, in your life? Great point guard, great WNBA player back in the day. And add to that being able to use your voice for social justice like players are able to these days. Could you have ever imagined, you know, what these players are able to do now with Twitter, things like that, and be in a position to make the world better like your players might be able to do and and we're seeing the WNBA players do right now? Well, I think, you know, we didn't have all of that when I was growing up, you know, so we just kind of did it by example um, and things like that. Um but I'm just really thankful that our players are in a position to express themselves um, in a way to create positive change um, and stand up for things that they believe in 
But uh, more importantly, you got to have the support of they got to have the support of your coaches, got to have the support of your of your university. And I will tell you, if my college coach was alive today, you know, she would be, you know, very proud of players being able to stand up, you know, for things that they believe in. That's that's one of the things that she always taught us, you know, stand up for what you believe in. But you have to have that evidence to support it. You know, those are some of the things that I carry near to, me. you know, I, you know, our players, I listen to them. You know, we're here to be there for them and we're here to support them. And um, and I know, like I said, if Pat, you know, was alive today, you know, she would be a voice. She would be a voice for social injustice and she would, you know, she would stand up alongside, you know, the players and continue to, you know, allow us to use our voice as a platform to create positive change. How proud are you of some of the people that you know in the WNBA right now and what they have done here over the last few weeks in such Mm -hmm. a public way? Truly, you know, some people say I'm playing for this, I'm playing for that, you know, and it's a it's a platitude and they don't really do it. But truly using their platform to play for something greater this year. I think, you know, basketball sports does bring people together, but it is a platform, you know, to be able to express yourself and just, you know, being an alumni for the WNBA, a players league. Um, I thought it was great that they, they reached out to um, Brianna Taylor's mom and got the okay. Um, you know, that just speaks volumes. It does. And um, to be able to invest in something bigger than yourself, that's what it's about. You know, it's all about how you impact, you know, who are you impacting along the way and um and making a difference you know in your communities and these women and men you know nba players um they are you know they're speaking out and they're starting to make a difference you know in their communities they're using their voice to express themselves but also you know bring awareness to what's happening and um and i think that's all you can do and hopefully we'll be in a position where this cycle you know, it's not continuing. And, um, you know, we have things in place from here on out to where we're not continuing to see, you know, these social injustices. Coach Nikki McRae-Penson has been our guest. And final question for you, Coach. What was behind you singing the national anthem for your team uh, for Old Dominion on their senior day this year? I, I heard about this I, I'm looking for the video and the audio evidence, so if you have it, just please pass it along. I'm very, very interested. But uh, what was behind that, and what was that experience like? Well, I think, you know, when you're around players a lot, you know, my players used to pull stuff off the Internet, and be like, oh, coach, I, you know, this and that. And um, so, you know, singing is something that I grew up, you know, in the church. Um, I sang the national anthem when I was with USA Basketball, you know, uh, when we were on our tour, me and one of my Olympic teammates. So I wanted to do something special for our seniors, you know, and surprise them. And um, I will never do that again because, you know, it just totally threw us off. Um, It was an emotional time for them. And I think a lot of emotions you know, happen. And um, we, we started out 0-16. And, and I said, you know what, I'm not doing this again. But it was just a way to to surprise them and, and do something, you know, for them um, that they, you know, had never seen before. So 
Um, it's just just my way of surprising the seniors. Coach, I appreciate the insight on what uh, you've gone through in your coaching career, the the challenges and the and the goals you have uh, now at Mississippi State, and just wish you all the best going forward. Thank you so much, and hail state. That is the great Nikki McRae-Penson here on the Her Hoop Stats podcast, basketball royalty herself, and good luck to her and all the girls this season as they get used to each other and try to mesh together in this new era for Mississippi State. So we've had just about all the big moves and shakes in women's college basketball so far this offseason. There weren't a lot of big moves like we talked about. Duke wasn't even available when Coach McRae-Penson took the job at Mississippi State. So maybe we get Kara Lawson on later, and whoever takes over at Texas Tech will pursue that as well. But if it is women's college basketball, we got you covered. Same thing with the WNBA. We're going to get back to the W next week. And also, of course, we've got your other podcasts this week that we want you to subscribe to the podcast to make sure you're going to get those. Rate and review as well. And also, you can reach out by email, podcast at herhoopstats.com if you have any type of question for us, somebody you'd like us to try to have on the podcast, we always welcome those emails. We love getting them in and interacting with you, our loyal listenership. The executive producer of the Her Hoop Stats podcast is Aaron Barzilai. Our music by Jared Deck, jareddeckmusic.com. Susie Solis, our announcer. I'm your host, John Little, reminding you at the Her Hoop Stats podcast, we are unlocking better insight about the women's game. Her Hoop Stats. Her Hoop Stats.